Why don't you grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of Acts. If you don't have your Bibles, it's no worries. We were going to have the scriptures up on the screen. We're diving into Acts chapter 4 today. And uh, if, you, if this is your first week here this year, let me just kind of catch you up. Uh, we are building precept upon precept. We're, going, uh, we're picking up a book of the Bible and we're just kind of marching through it. On Wednesday nights, we're doing uh, the book of Philippians. And uh, on Sundays, we're going through the book of Acts. And uh, if you're anything like me, I've been saying this for a few weeks now, but if you're anything like me, and you have these moments with God, maybe it's out loud, maybe it's in your mind, you just think, I want to have more faith. I want more faith. I wish I was that guy that believed in you beyond a shadow of a doubt. I wish I was that guy. I'm just not. I'd like to be, but I'm not. I just want you to know that the way we become that guy or that woman is we hear the word of God in a systematic way and it builds precept upon precept and in in supernatural ways, our faith and our expectations in God begins to rise. And so if you continue to come live life with us, Let me encourage you and equip you in what you'll find, whether you're praying out loud or you're just whispering, your faith will be higher than it's ever been in your life. And it's such a critical thing because Jesus, when he was walking around in the ancient days, he walked into one town. I mentioned this last week. He walked into one town and he said, I want to do miracles here. I would like to, but there's no faith. And because there's no faith, I can't do any miracles. I don't want my house, and I don't think you want your house, to be that house where God says, I want to do something, but there's just no faith. So continue to come and let me encourage you, and together our faith will just rise, okay? So let's dive right into it. Today we're going to be unpacking Acts chapter 4, and uh, the premise is, is called the power struggle. And what I mean by that is, is that there are struggles that we face at work, in our home, emotionally, mentally. There are struggles that we have. But the same power, the same ingredients, uh, the same tactics, the same philosophies, um, the same practices conquer all of those struggles. And that's what is being spoken about in Acts chapter 4. So let me start reading straight away. Acts chapter 4, verse number 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted. Everybody say confronted. Good. Everybody now. Confronted. One, two, three. Oh, you sound good today. They were confronted by the priests. In other words, the preachers, the pastors. They started confronting them. Uh, The captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees, these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. In other words, they were saying, if you believe in Jesus, you don't have to have a perfect life, but if you believe in Jesus and you believe that he's the son of God, you'll have everlasting life in heaven. They were not happy about that at all. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, 
put them in jail until morning. So I want to talk about four points in this chapter. And the first one is the power of opposition. If there is even an ember burning in your heart that causes a desire to please God, just an ember, it's not burning, you are not ablaze, but there, if there's at least an ember that causes you to want to have a deeper relationship with God, that makes you wish you were closer to Him, I want you to know that there is an opposition that does not sleep and does not rest that comes towards you and comes towards your house on a regular basis. How many of you ever seen that anointed from God movie Gladiator? Go ahead, raise your hand. God loves that movie. Uh, There's a scene in the movie where the, the enemy, so to speak, shoots these arrows at Mel Gibson and his, and his entourage, his team, his army. And the arrows, they go up, and there's so many arrows that the sky seems to be black because the arrows are black, and there's so many arrows, it's completely black. And then all of a sudden, these arrows go up, and then they point down. And come straight down and they take these shields and they just protect themselves. I just want you to know that if you have a desire, just a desire to love the Lord more, I just want you to have that picture in your mind. Hell shoots arrows into your life on a regular basis to discourage you, to stop you. And Peter and John, they're doing what they believe God wants them to do. You can't do anything more holy, more righteous than tell your friends about Jesus. And that's what they were doing. So here they are. They're telling their friends about Jesus and bam, opposition just overwhelms them. And I'd like to say this. There are three things that happen to every single person who loves God. Every person, there's three types of oppositions. And the first one I'd like for you to write down is delay. Here, Peter and John, they're doing their best. They're wanting to do their best. They have this vision. They have this hope of sharing the gospel. And it gets stopped. It gets put on hold. And I just want to just... Pause this part of the service and say, if any of us, and I'm one of them, you have a hope, you have a desire that God is going to do something in your life. You want God to do something in your life. I just want to almost guarantee you there is going to be a delay involved. I can almost guarantee you 99 out of 100 times when you are wanting and hoping for God to do something, there is going to be a delay and it could last anywhere from a few hours to a few days to a few years. I read stories in the Bible where decades go past and they're still waiting. 
I'm going to raise my hand for this one, so just so you know. Is there anyone here that you're, you want God to do something in particular in your life? You, you want him to just do it. Go ahead, raise your hand real high, real high. Let this encourage you. Now everybody look around and see all those hands up. See, anytime, anytime you have a, a hope and expectation, you can bet a dollar to a donut. There is going to be a delay. If you are taking notes, write this down. No dream ever comes instantaneously. If it does, it wasn't much of one. It, it, every single time, there's like this, this, this pull, there's this season. And you back up. If you're anything like me, you back up and go, why? If you can create the whole world in seven days, why can't you just move this one chess piece in my life? Why not? I'd like to share with you this answer for you to consider. That seasons of delay are seasons where humility is birthed in our life. See, by the time God actually does deliver and answer that prayer, you and I have exhausted every single resource we have. See, men in this room, we like to fix things, whether it's a problem with the house, we're either going to call somebody and get it fixed or we're going to do it ourselves. If, if, if somebody we know has a problem, we don't like listening to problems. Guys don't like listening to problems. We want to fix problems. Are you with me? Do you ever look, want to look at somebody and say, don't come to me and tell me a problem unless you have a possible solution? Yeah. Do you ever want to say that? Don't come to me. Any spineless fish, any dodo can figure out something that's wrong. It takes somebody with some brains that can come up with an answer. Come on. We, we want to fix things. Just want to fix things. Sometimes we get out of control. My wife looks at me on a regular basis. Frankie, don't fix it. <laughs> well, why are we talking about it? I just want you to feel me. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. <laughs> Here it goes. There's like this little voice saying, don't say it. But I'm just being, going to be transparent. There's a part of me that says, Frank, uh, Allie, you have friends that are really good feelers. Call those friends, eat chocolate, eat ice cream, and all of you guys feel together. And then when you get ready to fix it, I'm on the team. Now... I'm not going to ask you guys to raise your hand because I want you to remain married. <laughs> but there's a part of us that just, we want things fixed. And during seasons of delay, it's my belief after studying the scriptures and walking with God my whole life, that God allows these seasons. So when it does come, we are able to say, I have tried everything in my power. I did all that I knew how to do and I could not do it. It is, that was God. That was God. See, the other thing, not only delay, but there's disapproval. 
See, Peter and John, they should have been able to rely on those priests. If anybody was going to be on their team, it should have been the priests and scribes. But it's disapproval. So often when we're wanting to do something well, there's this disapproval that takes place. See, here's what, uh, what we need to remember is God has a plan for your life. But the people in your life, they have a plan for your life too. Are you with me? They have a plan for you too. And when their plan and God's plan collide or have a contrast, here comes delay. Are you with me? And sometimes it's people who love you the most that cause the delay. Sometimes it's the schmagools and idiots in our life, but other times it could be anyone, but there is often a delay. But then there's the very last D, the power of opposition. It's incredibly powerful. The very last D is discouragement. How effective would we be if we never got discouraged? Are you, am I the only one that gets discouraged? How effective would we be in business if, if our business, we never walked out of a meeting thinking, oh boy, I think we got a hole in the boat. <laughs> you know, you walk out of meetings that are two hours long and you feel like that meeting should have never happened. Nothing but bad happened in that meeting. Nothing but bad. Has anyone ever been in a meeting like that? Nothing, nothing but bad. Somebody in here needs to get fired because only bad happened. The only bad happened. Just it, it, Sometimes I was in a, a meeting recently and uh, I, I, my brain fast forwarded 20 minutes in the meeting. And I thought to myself, this meeting is not going good. And my mind just went 20 minutes ahead and I don't see it getting any better. So I actually said it out loud, like a moron. I said, look, I said, here's the, the, the attitude, the altitude of our meeting. And for, it's, it's just been going down. And, and I, my imagination just went forward. I don't see it going up in the next 20 minutes. So why don't we just call a timeout? I wish I could say that I was really mature and we took a breather and we came back around. That didn't happen. Houston, we got a problem. But we ended up pulling it out at the end. Thank God somebody smarter than me in the room pulled it out. But here's the reality. Whenever you get these discouraging moments, you just think to myself, if I never got discouraged, how effective would I be? And here's the reality. Hell has this poison. They have this cocktail mix in hell that comes straight from the pit of hell. And they serve it to us every single day. It's a cocktail mix from hell to discourage us about the way we look, about our marriage. I mean, for those of you that look in the mirror and like, that must be an awesome life. That must be awesome. I had a friend of mine one time, she couldn't stop looking in the mirror. Every I'd catch her just... Smoke glass cars with, with tinted windows. It just, man, you love you. If, if you love the way you look, it, 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 that must be awesome. I, I wish that was me. If that was me, I'd just... 
but, but that's just, but there's, there's just, if, but most of us, hell serves us a cup of discouragement about everything. Could you imagine how much better we would pray if, it, if we didn't get discouraged? Could you imagine how much better of a friend would be if we didn't get discouraged? But here's the reality. Anytime we begin to move towards the Lord, the discouragement is like a flood and it just rises so fast. And you say, why is that necessary? Why is it necessary, God? Here's the thing. During seasons of discouragement, those are the seasons where we learn to war. Our relationship with Jesus is not a picnic. It is warfare. And let me just share with you. You guys know, if you've been coming to church here, prayer is a passionate part of my life. I just want you to know, when you are in that season of discouragement, and you are are waiting, and things are being delayed, I just want you to know that discouragement tends to make us sink like a rock through a spider web. And there is only one way to begin to pull that plane back up, and to get our eyes back on God, and that is to pray. And I just want to let you know, you cannot pray pray during these seasons the way you pray for your breakfast in the morning. You can't do it. You can't do it. Let me illustrate. You wake up in the morning, you, you have uh, frosted flakes or, or a donut. You know, thank you, Jesus, for this breakfast. That's awesome. That's an awesome prayer. That's awesome that you're even thinking about God that early in the morning. But when you're going through a tough season, with, you can't use the same intensity. You can't use the same intensity. And so somebody might be thinking, well, Frankie, are you just pulling that out of your ear or is that actually in the Bible? It's in the Bible. It says it like this. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. You might say, well, I'm not righteous. This is a different sermon for a different day, but you are righteous because Jesus took his blood and he poured it on you. So now you're righteous. So just put that aside. Now it's up to you to pray effectually and fervently. Well, I'm not really a good prayer. The good news is, is you can say the same thing over and over again and be the best prayer in this room. It sounds something like this. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Have I been clear about that? I need you. Have I, if, uh, let me say it this way. I need you. Can, uh, let me just say, I have wasted enough of my life. I want you to know, I need you. This is called the effectual fervent prayer. I, mean, I want you to know, it avails much it, it, it turns the tide. Psalms 56, 9. Every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. And so when you're in that season of discouragement, I just want to encourage you. Pray like you know that it is going to make a difference. Now, many of us have been fasting for the month of January. We've chosen to not eat certain foods to kind of push our flesh out of the way so our spirit can, can, uh, can take the lead in our life. And so uh, it went from January 10th to the 31st. And so for many of you, this is the first day where you've been eating sweets. And so if you end up praying for your donut, thank you, Jesus. 
with the same fervency, I think God will understand. Especially if it's cobbler from Mel's. Praise God for the cobbler. I had my father-in-law from Canada. He came down. He goes, so cobbler, what's the deal with cobbler down here? I'm like, he goes, can I have a bite of your cobbler? I'll buy you your own cobbler. You want a bite of my cobbler? That's what I'm thinking. Of course, I'm like, it was on a Sunday afternoon. He just saw me preaching. I'm like, I love, love to give you a bite of my cobbler. So true story. I said, okay, you can, yeah, sure. You can have a bite. Just don't eat the crust. <laughs> it's the best part of cobbler. Yeah, I'll let you have a little bit of the blue belt. Don't touch the crust. All right. Anyway, moving right along. This is uh, Acts chapter 4, verse number 2. No, 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 no. Acts chapter 4, verse number 8. It reads like this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want, do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. Point number two is the power of praying. I've, I just got done talk about, talking about praying, so I'm not going to beat this point too hard, but let me just say this. The impossible happens when we pray. The impossible. If there is anything in your life that just feels impossible, that's how my grandfather would say it, impossible. I just want you to know it's cake for God. And I want to say this. This This is fun for me to say. Not only is the impossible possible, but the unimaginable is possible. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, uh, Arnold Palmer is one of the greatest golfers to ever play the game. In fact, there's a, a course in the woodlands uh, named after him. I think there's several courses around the world that's named after him. He's, uh, he's by far and away in the top five golfers to ever, ever play the game. Just a phenomenal golfer. And uh, uh, there was a... Um, uh, I'm starting to choke at this moment. There was a sheik in the Middle East. Am I pronouncing that right? A sheik, sheik, a sheik in the Middle East that uh, phoned up Arnold Palmer. Uh, this was when Arnold Palmer was playing, and he said, I would like to play a round of golf with you. I'm a big fan. I'd love to play a round of golf with you. Well, Arnold Palmer said to the sheik, thank you so much for the compliment. If you've ever heard him on an interview or ever had the pleasure to meet him personally, I haven't. But he is just one of the finest guys. Uh, it's just nice. He's kind. Thanks, but no thanks. You know, I, I can't fly all the way to the Middle East just to play golf with you. So I don't want to just play golf. I'd love to learn a few things. And uh, after going back and forth, back and forth, he finally said to the sheik, okay, I'll come. He gets on a plane, he flies all the way to the Middle East, and, and Arnold Palmer, I, I'm not sure, the, the, the story that I'm aware of, I'm not sure which lessons he shared with him, I don't know what they talked about, but it was interesting because Arnold Palmer got back on his plane and he was flying back to the States, 
And um, the sheik told him, hey, just as a, uh, an expression of my appreciation, I want to give you a golf club. And Arnold Palmer just said, well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I really appreciate that. Thank you. As the story goes, he got on his plane, and um, it was a, a jet, I'm sure, and, and he just kind of laughed to himself because he's got hundreds of golf clubs. I mean, he's got golf clubs named after him with his little logo on the golf club. I mean, he's got hundreds of golf clubs. And so he was just like, wow, that's really awesome, man. Thank you. And he just a few months later, he got uh, something in the mail from the sheik. He opened up the document, and it was a deed to a country golf club. It wasn't a, it wasn't a club. It was a club. And Arnold Palmer just started laughing because the sheik is a multi, 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 multi-gazillionaire. He gave him a club. I just want to let you know, the unimaginable, the unimaginable, the unimaginable. The Bible says that he has things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine. The unimaginable, the unimaginable. You know, uh, we used to play this game in, in, in high school. It's a stupid, stupid game, but it's a game anyway. Uh, we, we would play um, in the bathroom usually because we'd get in trouble. And, and what we'd do is we'd look at each other and we'd say, okay, I'm going to give you all the money in my pocket. Uh, if I have more money than you. And if you have more money than me, then you give me all the money in your pocket. Or vice versa. If I have more money than you, you give me all your money. If you have more money than me, I'll give you all my money. And so um, we would stand in the bathroom. It was nerve-wracking. All of our friends would be gathering around. And, and you got to pick out your people. You don't just play this game with anybody, you know? <laughs> You're like, I think I, got, I think I got more money than that guy. And so we'll circle up. And, and man, there's times where I've lost money. And some of you, I know what you're thinking. That's the stupidest game I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 15 years old. What do you think I'm doing? I'm like, I'm cutting my teeth on life, you know? So we, we, we just, we, we sit there and go and, and, uh, and, and it's always real nerve wracking. I just want to let you know, you are standing every single time you wake up. God is looking at you and he's saying, I want you to trust me because I own the cattle of a thousand hills. If you give me all the money in your pocket, I'll give you all the money in my pocket. But if you don't want to play, that's cool. If you don't want to play, that's cool. I just want to let you know, play. Play. Trust God. Trust God. You think that he's going to offer you a golf club? Oh, he's got a golf club for you. It is a golf club. It, I remember praying for a, a girl to, to marry. Man, I'm all over the place right now. But I just feel like I should. I re- <laughs> Thank God I got notes so I can come back home. But I, I, I remember praying for a girl to marry. And I had been on so many dates by the time I was 21 years old. I can't even tell you how many dates. Not one girl even get remotely considered giving me their hand in marriage. Not even remotely. I used to propose to girls in history class all the time. I turn around and say, hey, my name's Frankie. How are you? You want to get married? Just feeling out the water. I'm just feeling out the water. I'm just trying to figure out how much work I got to do. But 
By the time I was 21 years old, I am on my knees and I'm telling God, look, I'm going to need some help. And you know, God sent me a Canadian woman. I know why he did, because there wasn't one girl in the United States of America. Not one. We went on a blind date. That was the only way we could get her to come. Blind date. We got married. We were married within a year and a half. I couldn't push it two years through my, you call it, game. Here's the reality. God has plans. God has a way that's beyond your imagination. It seems impossible. I just want to let you know, please, I am. if you're going to come to church, I am telling you, there is opposition. There is delay. There is discouragement. And it is so frustrating. But the power of prayer overcomes the power of opposition. Ten times out of ten, it's been happening for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Number three is that there is the power of sharing. Power of sharing. Let me share with you what I am referring to in verse number 18 of chapter 4. So they called the apostles back in. They called them back into court because they took a recess and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God, I'm a, let's just put a little uh, southern twang in. You, you think God want us to obey you? You rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Now, the same guy who said this just a few weeks ago, was saying, I don't know Jesus. I've never seen the guy. I've never seen the guy. What happened? He went from denying Christ completely to saying, I can't stop. I can't stop. This is exactly, let me tell you what happened. There is this invisible line. I don't know when we cross it. I know we, we cross it at different times. Where your relationship with God crosses this line. And when you cross it, we begin to talk like Peter and Paul. See, when Paul crossed it, he said, My whole life, I considered to be garbage. All of my success, I consider it to be garbage in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. There is a relationship available. And he invites us. He says, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. It's like he's daring us. There is a relationship available that when you taste it, when you experience, oh my goodness, every success I've ever had in my life is like dung. That's what Paul said. And and that's what Peter is saying. And so Peter is saying, I have to share this. I have to tell people about this. I have to tell people. And, And even to this day, the collateral effect of when you tell something, you tell people about Jesus, it's phenomenal. Let me illustrate the same illustration I did last week, just for fun. I'd like for David and Jamie Schombacher to come on up here. Just make them feel welcome. I know you you don't know them all, but make them feel welcome. Uh, David and, and Jamie have been a part of our church now for about five years, 
And um, they heard me preaching this message about how all followers are fishers. See, in the Bible, Jesus said, I want you to be fishers of men. In other words, I want you to invite people and introduce me to people. We would call that inviting people to church. But last year I talked about that. So they decided uh, to, to do, actually do it. And let me show you the, the effect that took place. I did this in the first service. I have to do this. since You guys are so cute. Come on up here, you cute little girls. You know you're precious, right? But they're dressed the same, so we're going <laughs> to... Would you guys... I just want everybody to see you start over here and let everybody see you over here. Turn. Look at everybody see you over here. Aren't they the cutest? Oh my goodness, you guys are so cute. I know this, is, this sounds like a stupid question, but I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. They are twins. See, I told you. Never make an assumption. They're not twins. How old are they? How old are you? 12? 12 and 13. Okay. So Jamie and David, uh, they started coming to our church. And then they invited Sean and Nikki Key. And so Sean and Nikki, why don't you guys come on up here? And uh, they have uh, two uh, kids named Josiah and Eli. They're probably in the, in the children's ministry. Uh, but what's so cool is, um, and I hope I got this story right, uh, Sean is an MMA guy. Wave your hand, Sean. He's an MMA guy. He does, he's got his own gym. He owns his own gym, and he fights and all this kind of stuff. Well, David, wave your hand, David. David went to his school to learn MMA stuff, you know. And uh, while that was all happening, uh, David in the red shirt started inviting Sean to church. So he started, hey, man, you got to come to my church. You got to come to my church. They're sitting here fighting on the mat. And they're like, man, God loves you. And, uh, you know, it's a real awkward conversation. But in parallel, in parallel, Jamie, why don't you come on up here? Uh, is Jamie Brett, and, and her husband is working today. Cool cat named Josiah. They have two kids named Levi and Ashley. They have been attending our church for quite some time. But while David is fighting with um, Sean in a brotherly, loving, encouraging, equipping way. I don't know how that works out. But... Um, uh, at the same time, Jamie, wave your hand, Jamie. Jamie is telling, um, I feel like I'm getting Nikki, thank you. J- Jamie is telling Nikki about celebration. And they don't even know that they're telling each other. Like, th- there was no kind of synergy there, there was no plan. Uh, David didn't know that this was happening, they didn't know they knew each other. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so lo and behold, they find out that they're inviting the same people. And so they start coming to church. Um, and then uh, now we got Charles and Linda here. Charles and Linda, why don't you guys start, come on. Uh, can I embarrass you, please? Just come on up here. You'd rather not. Just stand up and wave at everybody. They don't like coming up. Just stand up. And now is Michelle here? Is Michelle here? Michelle Priest, is she here? Michelle, come on up here, Michelle. Michelle started coming to church. Um, and now... Uh, in the first service, these people had to go to work, but in the first service, um, uh, Melody was here, uh, Delilah was here, Sean White was here, Bobby was here, Robert was here, Sammy was here. Um, there was, there's almost 15, 16 people that just started happening all because they decided to share. And you know what the Bible says? 
that those who tell people about me, they will shine like a star in heaven for eternity. If you brought a friend to church today, you're going to shine like a star for eternity. All of you are going to shine like a star in eternity. And you don't have to worry about your head glowing because we're both going to have hair. That's what I'm talking about. Give them a big round of applause. Last and final point, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. So you don't ask God for boldness if you're not scared. So here they are. Their lives are on the line. Uh, They're nervous. They're scared. Um, They ask God, you got to help us. We want to continue to do this, but you're going to have to help us. You know what's interesting is when they were praying this prayer, if you read the whole chapter, you'll see that the first thing that they did is they found other believers and they met in their house. You guys know where I'm going with this. For the last few weeks, we have been encouraging all of you to sign up for a life group. If you haven't done it yet, there's a card underneath your seat and you just turn it into the table out there. Because in February we launch and it's my hope that we all have somebody that we can hang out with and live life together. Check this video out, it's a short one, but I feel like these two people say it better than than what I'm saying it right now. Check this out. Well, my, uh, my wife wanted to join the life groups, and we'd been coming to uh, Celebration Church for around six months and really hadn't connected with very many people. Uh, so uh, I thought, yeah, why not? Let's give it a try. And uh, so we began to experience the life group, and it was fantastic. Uh, it gave us a chance to connect with some really great people. Uh, so great food, great fellowship, uh, new friends. And uh, what I learned, uh, to appreciate most about it was the value that came in hearing other people with the same life challenges that I have and how they are applying the principles uh, that Pastor Frankie teaches about every Sunday to their lives to become more fulfilled and more successful in, in dealing with and managing their challenges. Uh, so it was very beneficial for me, very valuable. Uh, And I connected with some really great people that have now become our friends. The the Granberries, the McDonald's, they're just fantastic. Uh, So for anybody that is anticipating uh, joining a life group, I would say here's the the value proposition that I have for you. Okay, first of all, yes, it will cost you some time, but that's it. So for the cost of time, you get new friends, you get some great food, great fellowship, and a way to enrich your life in a very positive way. So I'm so thankful that uh, the uh, Granberries and the McDonald's took us in, took us under their wings, and included us in the life groups. It's a great experience. Last June, my husband and I moved here, and we were driving down Research Forest, and I saw this little sign on the side of the road that said, Spiritfield Celebration Church, and I thought, oh gosh, we have so much to celebrate. Let's visit that church, and so we did, and 
Once we started coming, we really realized um, this was where we needed to be and needed to connect. Um, I remember filling out the guest card and I got a friendly email from Sarah Stevens just welcome, welcoming us to the area and to the church. When I first got here, uh, looking through my phone and realizing that I didn't know one soul in this town, in this area, and that if I ever had an emergency or if my husband was out of town for work, who would I call? I was prompted to reach out to her, which is totally out of character for me, to um, ask her, how do women connect in this church? I mean, what do they do? What kind of groups? She invited me to her life group, and I remember being really hesitant to go, but um, knowing that it was what I needed to do to start meeting people. As I started going to life group, I realized that I had a lot in common with these women that I was meeting and that we shared a lot of the same stories. And um, I started realizing that I would get one phone number and, I, and then I would make another friend and get another phone number. And before I knew it, I had my phone full of phone numbers and, and contacts and people that I could reach out to that I feel like are my friends that I could ask them for a favor if I was in a pinch and needed help. Um, also, in my life group, I had met a really sweet friend that was from Kenya, and I was able to connect her with another one of my dear friends from Kenya, and so now they are beginning to develop this uh, friendship together. So you just never know how something as simple as reaching out to someone with an email um, can open the doors to so many different possibilities, which what once was an empty contact list for me has turned into um, a phone full of names and numbers of people that I really do call my friends. Um, last semester, uh, we encouraged everybody to be a part of a life group, and there was a lot of us that filled out a card and said, we want to be a part of it, um, but then uh, many didn't show up. And, and I know why uh, a lot of people didn't show up. It's the same reason why uh, I didn't want to show up to the group that I was leading. Because I, have, I would think this every time I would drive. My, my life group meets during the day. It's, it's a lunch group with, uh, with, with men. I think this every time. I, and I say it out loud usually. I have time for this like I have time for a hole in my head. I think that. I'm just being honest. But when I get there, I can't explain what happens. I start hanging out with other people who love God. In some way, somehow, I'm encouraged. And I walk out thinking, that's probably going to be the best hour and a half I'll have this whole week. And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't just fill out a card. Come. Then I want to give you this thought. When Peter and John got out of court, they went back and they started worshiping God. And what came to my mind when I read that while studying is they were probably so depleted and they were probably so tired, but they knew where to go to get refilled. They knew where to go. The Bible says that we should search for him 
like searching for a lost treasure.